Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. I don't know what time it is when you're listening to this, but I hope you had an absolutely amazing day. Today's podcast is about investing in yourself. And as we move into Women's History Month, I think it's so important for you to invest in all of the greatness that God has put on the inside of you, all of the dreams, all the vision, all the goals, everything that God has given you. And one of the best ways to do that is for you to learn how to receive God's love so that you can love yourself and love others. So today's podcast is actually a live recording of me ministering at Women's Ministry at Flow Church. And it's all about loving yourself and loving others. And that's one of the best ways that you can invest in yourselves and then also leave an investment or plant a seed in someone else. So go ahead and grab your Bible, your tea, a beautiful pen and a journal, and let's get into the Word of God. Good evening, ladies, and welcome to Women's Ministry. I am Vita Cash, and I am so excited to be with you on tonight. I am the co-pastor and first lady here at Flow Church, and I am excited. Now, (laughs) I hope you had a great week. Please go ahead and invite your friends and your family to join us tonight. The word is going to be exciting. The word is going to be good. We are still talking about love I've been teaching about love all month here at Flow Church, and even though this is women's ministry and not the main service on Sundays, I still wanted to continue talking about love. And if you haven't listened to those uh, to the series that we've been doing on Sunday, you can always go back and look at it later. But if you have been listening, this will kind of be like a culmination of all of it, and I am really, really excited. Now, before we get into the Word, I want to do two things. I want to pray, and then I want to share something with you that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm going to teach. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just thank you for these women who have gathered here today. Father, we know that you are our provider. We know that you have a plan for our lives. We know that you've made preparation for us. And we know that your love is always progressive. So, Father, we receive your love on tonight. Father, we make a decision just to believe your word and receive. Father, I lift up every woman who is here, God. Father, I ask that you meet her need according to your promises, Father. Father, I pray for those who are brokenhearted. I pray for those who are believing for healing, who are believing for provision. And Father, I ask that you do what you do in the name of Jesus. Father, no one can heal like you can. No one can touch a heart like you can. And Father, we receive it now in the name of Jesus. God, I ask that you just bless our time of fellowship here, God. And Father, just allow your anointing to flow. Even though we're not in the same room, God, there's no distance in your anointing. There's no distance in your touch. So Father, I pray it now in the name of Jesus, God, meet every woman right where she is. Father, you know what she's in need of. And Father, I ask that you meet that need. Father, allow her to feel your love once and And I give your name all the praise, honor, and glory. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. 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 So before I get into the word, I just want to share a small testimony with you. It's not small. It's quick. There is no such thing as a small testimony. It's a quick testimony. I had a crazy, stressful day. And I want to share that because sometimes we get the impression that spiritual maturity just totally eliminates stress from our lives. And spiritual maturity does not eliminate stress, but maturity can help equip you to better deal with stress. And there are many ways that you can deal with stress. I work, I recommend working out. 
that's a way to for help your body to help your body process stress but you can also pray you can also meditate you can also uh, take a nap you can drink some herbal tea you can just find something to do relaxing and I want to just give your attention back to Psalms 23 that we read on Sunday as a part of the teaching series and if you've had a stressful day if you had a stressful week, if you've been having a stressful year, a stressful month, I want you to find a scripture that you really like, one that brings you joy, one that reminds you of the comfort of God, one that reminds you of the provision of God, of the promise of God. And this is how you meditate on that scripture. Now I'm going to turn to Psalms 23. And again, it has nothing to do with what I'm preaching on tonight, but I want you all to know that you have the ability, you have dominion over your own body. You have dominion over your own emotions. God has given you that dominion. And it's not just about saying, telling yourself, calm down. It's not, you know, I'm going to calm down. There are some other tools that God has given you to relax yourself and to get yourself in a better position. And one of those things is meditation. I taught on meditation and believing God last year. And you can go back and listen to those, um, to that, that teaching that I did. But I just want to remind you of how powerful it is to meditate on the word. So here in Psalms 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And in that, we know that a shepherd provides. We know that a shepherd guides. We know that a shepherd maps out the plan or the route ahead. We know that the shepherd makes sure that prey doesn't come around and protects you from any prey. We know that a shepherd is um, making sure that you eat, making sure that you drink because he leads you beside the still waters. He's making sure that you have a place to rest. A shepherd does all of that. So if you are having a stressful day, I want you to find a scripture. It doesn't have to be Psalms 23, but it Psalms 23 is good. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you jump down, it says, um, he anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. He prepares a table in front of me and I want you to find a place to sit and you may not be able to find a place by yourself. You may be in the midst of a conference with your coworkers and the conference is going crazy. The Zoom is going crazy. So you have to learn how to connect with the word of God and the promises of God, even in the midst of chaos. You might be sitting in the hospital waiting room. You might be sitting in the attorney's office. You might be just sitting and your children are running amok and all the moms are like, <laughs> I mean, children jumping over furniture and using the cat as a bowling ball or whatever. And there may not always be a time for you to go and steal away by yourself. But in the midst of that, if you could just sit still for a second, just sit still and calm yourself by focusing your attention on the word, just closing your eyes and saying to yourself, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want right now. I want quiet right now. I want order right now. I want organization right now. I want that whatever it is that you want, you bring that one to the Lord because he's your shepherd and I shall not want. So even though I don't see it right now, even though I don't feel it right now, I know that God is still shepherding my life. And I know that I'm now a co-labor with him. And now because I'm a co-labor with him, just by me having this meditation time, I know that he hears my heart and I know that he's working out and just begin to assure yourself that God is with you. Even if you don't feel the difference right away, you'll begin to feel your anxiety go down. You'll begin to feel your peace go down. And just to train yourself to focus more on the promises of God than you do on the problems. And every time you feel your mind drifting to, oh, I'm getting sick or my family's going to be sick or what if we don't have enough money or what if I can't calm down my children or what if I 
excuse me, what if I lose my job or what if this or what if that? I want you to go back to your promise scripture, wherever your promise scripture is. One of mine is Psalms 126. It says that life is like a dream. And then it goes on to tell you how your life can be like a dream. That is one of my favorite scriptures. And so whenever things look nightmarish, I meditate on life is like a dream. And then I just allow that scripture to become so real to me that it overshadows anything that might be going on. So I started out this morning, it was a great day. And then maybe about 1130, it went kind of off tracks. And I was like, what is going on? And then it just kept snowballing, snowballing. And I pulled myself right back in and I said, God loves me too much to allow these little, and it was little things, to allow these little things to upset the peace that he's given me, to allow these little things to upset the joy that he's given me. So my focus is on the wrong thing. Let me find something else to focus on. Now, I know that if you're in the middle of a big crisis, those things may seem big and you might have to do this process over the course of a couple weeks. It might not happen immediately, but you have to hold on to the truth and you have to hold on to the hope that your God will never leave you, that your God will never forsake you, that he made you another speaking spirit, that he called you his, uh, his daughter, that you now call him Abba Father, which means that you have an inheritance and an entitlement to everything in the kingdom that he made you a co-labor with him, which means that he's talking to you about the vision for your life and allow that meditation to just begin to calm your spirit and to get you out of having a stressful day, to get you back on track with, I know that God has woke me up today for a purpose and I'm gonna live out that purpose and that purpose is not for me to be stressed out. So that's what I did today. In the midst of stress, and Pastor Russell walked past me and was like, what's wrong with you, girl? And I said, I'm going to be okay. He was like, are you sure? I said, baby, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And so even when your friends or your husband or whoever looks at you and say, are you okay? Don't get offended and say, I'm fine. Leave me alone. No, you're not okay. You can say, I'm going to be okay. Or you can even say, I'm not okay. Will you pray with me? Or I'm not okay. Can you give me some space? Or I'm not okay. Just give me a minute. But you have the ability through the tools of the word of God to go from being stressed out to being okay. Now that has nothing to do with what I'm teaching today, but I wanted to share with you how you can manage your stress. Now, let's jump into the word for tonight. We're gonna be talking tonight about loving your neighbor and loving yourself. And I am so excited about this because again, we're ending this series on love and we've been talking about love. And even on the podcast, I talked about being fair with yourself. I talked about forgiving yourself and this will go right along with it. I wanna talk about loving yourself and loving your neighbor. And it's so important to do that. And I'm not talking about just giving gifts or sending cards or sending text messages. Those are great things. Please continue to do those things. But there are some weightier matters of love that I want you to get to that you are a person that just freely loves and you're a person who freely accepts love and freely receives love from God and from your sister and from your husband and from your children and from your mom and from everyone else in your life. So let's open up to Matthew chapter 22. Ooh, I miss the sanctuary. I miss the sanctuary. I miss when we say open up to a certain scripture, having everybody in the sanctuary erupt with excitement about the word of God because we are a word church. Praise God. Okay here in Matthew 22. And 
here we have the religious folks. And I like talking about the religious folks because they really didn't like Jesus. They thought that Jesus was not falling in line with Jewish law, which he wasn't. He said that he did not come to make other people comfortable. He came to put son against daughter. He came to put uh, mother against daughter, father against son. He came to stir things up because he had to uproot all of the roots of religion that were in the people at that time to move them from being religious people to move them into being people who were in relationship with God. And so he knew that a lot of the things that he said and a lot of things that he did didn't strike people as very comfortable, but he didn't come to make us comfortable. He came to get us out of a bad situation so that we could have comfort perpetually later because of his ministry. So here in Matthew 22 and verse 34, he's having a conversation with the religious folks, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they are attempting to trick him. They're attempting to, um, to trip him up and to ask him questions because they want to get him to... They basically won't want to get him to blaspheme God. They want to prove that he's not who he says that he is. So they ask him, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And look at verse um, 34, 35. It says, then one of them, and I'm in Matthew 22. It says, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, master, which is the great commandment in the law? So we know that all the commandments were important. That's how they lived at that time. And so to pick one over the other would have been a way to kind of create division. You know, which law is more important? Which book of the Bible is most important? What, you know, what, what Christian holiday is more important? And Jesus being who he is with all of godly wisdom, he answers like this. And he says, Jesus in verse 37, Jesus says unto him, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these, do, on these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. And so he's pointing them to love, saying that loving God and loving your neighbor and loving yourself are the two great commandments. But there's something really significant that we have to stick to here for a minute and kind of go over. It says on all the law and all the prophets do these two things rest. And we know that Jesus came to improve the law and he came to fulfill what the prophets were saying. And so we can't stay at this point in our love walk. We can't stay with loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself without adding on the layer of the dispensation of grace that Jesus brings with it. So he's pointing out, this is not what I have come to do. Jesus talking, he said, this is what you're used to, that all the law and all the prophets rest on this, that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and then love your neighbor as you do yourself. And so Pastor Vita, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. But if you think about that statement and think about that commandment, it's absent of grace. It's saying that you have to love the Lord with everything that's in you. And if you think about what your heart, your soul, and your mind represents, it's talking about your emotions. It's talking about your decision-making. It's talking about your thoughts. It's talking about your actions. It's talking about your intentions. It's talking about every single part of you. And can you imagine 
And when you have to live a life that every time you make a mistake, you have to go to the holies of holies and the priest goes in and atones for you. And then you have to give a turtle, a turtle dove offering or a lamb offering or a sheep offering or a perfect cattle offering. Because if you got this love walk wrong, then you would have to go back and start over because you would have to atone for all of your sins. And now he's letting us know that this is what the system was, that all of the law and all the prophets hinged on your ability to be able to love perfectly. And we know that perfect love is something that God has towards us. But as humans, we don't have the ability to be perfect. And so the concept of loving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, and then love yourself that way, and then love your neighbor that way, you can imagine the the discomfort and the possible fear that that may have caused. And now the Sadducees and the Pharisees were so arrogant and so prideful that they didn't even pick up on the fact that Jesus was telling them, this is what you're used to. This is the law that you live by, the law that you're trying to question me about, the prophets that you've been questioning me about, all of those things. This is how this system used to work. But of course, because he's Christ, I've come to improve this love walk that you're going to have with God. I'm coming to show you something different. I don't want you to be fearful about loving God. And I don't know how you grew up, but I grew I'm a church girl. I grew up in church from the womb. I've always gone to church. My family is a church family. And all I knew growing up was going to church, going to church, going to church. Now, what I didn't understand until I was much older was about having relationship with God. I thought that going to church was the relationship with God. And so I would always be very fearful. Anytime I did anything wrong, I would just be so fearful. What if Jesus comes back while I'm doing this thing? I don't want to drink beer because Jesus might come back while I'm drinking beer. I don't want to curse because Jesus might come back while I'm cursing. And I had this idea that if you sinned in a moment and then Jesus came back, that you would miss heaven because you made that one mistake. And so it wasn't that my behavior was so good because I was this obedient child and didn't have any mischief in my heart. It was that I was so fearful of missing heaven. And I won't go into all the details of the things I didn't do, but there was a lot of things that I didn't do, not because I was so um, upright before God, not because I couldn't conceive of such things in my heart, not because I didn't think they would be a good idea, but I literally was afraid that I would miss God. And that was the culture that the way that this love was presented, that you would miss heaven. And they, you know, at the time we didn't even have access to heaven. So they didn't even want to please, they, they didn't want to displease God. And so there was a pressure with love that all oh, my heart with all my heart, you know, what about the part of my heart that's carved out for chocolate cake with all of my heart? But what about the part of my heart that's carved out for my husband and my children? So how do I handle that with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my strength, with all of my decision making, with all of my intentions? It was a lot. And so here again, I love the ministry of Jesus and how he just comes and liberates us from all of these laws that were we, we have proven over time that we did not have the ability to live by the law. And that's why God sends Jesus. And so flip over to first John chapter four. And I want to show you what Jesus does with love. And God has never never withdrawn his love from us, but it was the way that we were interpreting it that Jesus had to come and show us something else. So first John chapter four verse 
18. Remember, I was saying that if you had to love with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength, it, it was like, oh, I have to be perfect. I have to get everything right. And sometimes in our love relationships, we require people to love us that way, but we very rarely put that responsibility on ourselves. We give ourselves exception, but we want our husband to love us with all his heart and all his mind. And our children should love us with all their heart and all their mind. And we could be not, not knowingly putting pressure on people to love us a certain way. But look here at John chapter, first John chapter four, verse 18. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So any fear that man had about not being able to love God right or not being able to please God or that if they did something wrong that God would be upset with them or all of those fears in relation to that commandment about love, here we understand through John's writing, and John got this from Jesus, that there is no fear in love. And so when you love someone, there should be no fear. And not to say that you're not fearful that, you know, something may happen to them or, you know, that some, they might get hurt or something like that, but there should be no fear in that you have to love a certain way. The way that you love and the way that I love and the way that the next woman loves might look totally different, but there should be no fear in measuring up. There should be no fear in, am I loving enough? Am I loving right? It's just a, a, a the decision maker is, are you open to receive love and are you open to give love? But there is no measuring stick. There is no measurement of if you're loving right. So here we have Jesus doing away with that, that there's no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he loved us. So here we're seeing now, not, we don't love God because we're commanded to love God. We love God because he loved us and we're reciprocating the love that he's extended to us. And when you get that, then now you are free to make a decision to love God. Just like you're free to make a decision to receive him as your Lord and savior. You're free to make a decision to call him father because we've been adopted into his family. Now you're free to love him. And it's there, there's no measuring stick of, am I loving him with all of my mind? Am I loving him with all of my soul? Am I loving him with all of my strength? Am I loving him with all of my decision-making, with all of my intentions, with all of my emotions? Now he's just saying, freely love me, freely give me your, your affection, freely give me your thoughts, freely give me your worship, freely give me your praise. And I'm not measuring it based on what someone else is doing. I'm not measuring it based on a law that was written I'm measuring it based on your capacity with who you are because I'm your God and I know who you are and I know what you've been through and I know what you've ex you have experienced and I know the full capacity of which you are able to give and it's just between me and you. And so I want you to be free to express that love towards me, free to give that love towards me, not because I commanded you, but because you know that I loved you first. Before you gave a tithe, before you gave an offering, before you served a 
ministry, before you waved your hand and praised, before you cried out before me, before you laid prostrate on the floor, before you evangelized, before you did any of that stuff. I loved you and your imperfection. I loved you with all of your mistakes. I loved you in all of your sin because I'm giving you an example that perfect love doesn't require the recipient of the love to be perfect. It's just a decision that I'm going to give my affection. I'm going to give my thoughts. I'm going to think about you. I'm going to talk to you. I want to touch you. I want to hear you. I want to be around you. That's something that I'm willingly doing without any fear. And so anytime that you have a relationship that you're fearful, you have to go back and ask yourself, how did I get here? Why am I here? And remember that perfect love casts out fear. Look at verse 19. Let me try to calm down. I'm just excited. It says, we love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. And so here's a new commandment that we're getting here that you can't say, I love God, but don't have the ability to love your brother. You can't say, I love God and not have the ability to love yourself because when you receive the love of God and you express the love of God to others, it casts out fear or any reason that you think you might have for loving someone else. And most of the time when we have an inability to love someone else, it's because we're bound by fear. I'm afraid that if I stop acting angry, they're going to think it's okay to mistreat me. I'm afraid that if I take down this wall, that they're going to take advantage of me. I'm afraid that if I'm vulnerable before them, they're going to judge me. I'm afraid that if I freely give of myself, they're going to take advantage of me. I'm afraid that if I do this, then they might realize who I really am and then they might stop loving me. Um, so anytime that we're not free to love is because there's fear there. But God said there is no fear in true love. There is no fear in perfect love because Jesus did away with that fear. Jesus came to set us free from everything especially the torment of fear. And so you have the ability to love without regard to how the recipient is acting. You can make a decision to love someone who's done you wrong. You can make a decision to love someone who's offended you. You can make a decision to do that. Now keep in mind that loving someone doesn't mean automatic access to your life because God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son and we know that Jesus is the word. God loved and he gave the word. And so when you love someone, you're willing to express God's sentiments, express God's thoughts, express God's heart in in the best way that you can. Now, that doesn't mean that there's a two-way communication. It means that you're loving them through giving them God. It doesn't necessarily dictate how you receive back from them, but you shouldn't have any fear in praying for someone. You shouldn't have any fear in forgiving someone. You shouldn't have any fear about giving someone the word, about giving them encouragement, about smiling, about doing all those things, because guess what? It doesn't matter how much you pour out. You're not looking for someone else to 
pour back into you, you're going to be poured into by God. Remember, he's going to anoint you. He's going to allow your cup to overflow. He's going to fill you up. And so you can love this way and know that you're going to be filled up this way, that you're not dependent on it coming back to you this way. But the more you love, the more people will experience God's love and the more that it will open them up to receive God as their very own and to love back. Now, this is so exciting to me because now we're going to talk about one of my favorite stories in the Bible, one of my very, very favorite. We're going to flip over to Joshua chapter two, and we're going to talk about Rahab. Yay! Rahab, 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 Joshua. Joshua judges Ruth. And if you've never read about Rahab, Rahab is a harlot. The way that we would say it in 2021 is she's a prostitute, or we might call her something else. I'm not going to call her very many names. I'm going to stick to what the Bible calls her. In the King James Version, they call her a harlot. In the New Living Translation, in the um, English Standard Version, in the Message Translation, they call her a prostitute. So you know what those two words mean. We don't have to go into any more detail about what that is. So in verse one of Joshua chapter two, it says that Joshua sends two men to secretly spy on the land of Jericho. Um, and they go to be spies and they go to Rahab's house, who was a harlot. And so the king, I'm in verse two now, I'm paraphrasing the story to get through it. The king of Jericho hears that there are spies in the land. And so he sends out men to Rahab's house to inquire to see if the spies are there. And when the men get there, Rahab says, oh yeah, they were here, but I knew they were spies. So I sent them away. But actually what she did was she hid them in the roof, on the roof of her, of her house. And so let's pause before we keep going here to get a picture of what's going on. She is a harlot. And so the way that she makes her money is by entertaining men in her home. Now, when these two men come to her home, the neighbors probably thought, oh, it's just business as usual. It wasn't until the king found out that they were spies that maybe people may have questioned who these men were. But men probably came and went in her house all the time. It wasn't anything unusual. But for her to be willing to hide them means that they had a conversation because there wasn't an email or a text message that came first. They had to show up and explain to her who they were. And so she was in what what we would perceive to be a bad situation. But because God loved her, even though she was a harlot, even though she was a sinner, even though she wasn't worshiping all the time, even though she wasn't doing the things that we would label that a righteous woman should be doing or a godly woman should be doing, God's love is not depending on how we are behaving. He loves us simply because he is God. He loves us because he created us and he shepherded us and he called us children and he's our co-laborer. He simply loves us first. And so we see him sending these men to her her home, not just for their protection, but as an ex- as an example of his love for her, because now he's giving her an opportunity to encounter someone who can bridge the relationship between her and her family and God. And again, she's not perfect. We have this misconception that God won't bless our mess. Well, why do we need to be blessed unless we're in a mess? The messier it is, the more God wants to bless us. The messier it is, the more we need God. Who needs an umbrella on a sunny day? Who needs uh, galoshes on 
a dry day. It's when the weather is bad. It's when your bank account is low. It's when your marriage is upset. It's when your kids are not behaving. It's when you feel sickness and you know that there's something wrong with your body. That's when we really call out to God. And so just let go of the fact that, you know, you're waiting for a promotion or you're waiting for a new house or you're waiting for your credit score to go up or you're waiting for whatever. And you think that God is waiting for you to get it together to bless you. God's not waiting for you to get it together. God is waiting for you to open up your heart and receive the fact that he loves you just like you are. And all you have to do is make a decision to receive his love because there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So you don't have to be fearful that you're trying to get it right with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. All you have to do is be willing to receive whatever messenger God sends to extend his love to you. So let's look at this some more. Uh, Let's look at... uh, Turn to the same chapter. Look up verse nine. And so the king sends people to her house. They look around her house. They don't find the men. She tells them that she sent the men off because now she's showing her allegiance. She lies to the king because she wants to connect with the king of kings. And so she's willing to reject the king and his men so that she can connect with almighty God. So here in verse nine, it says, and she said unto the men talking about the spies, I know that the God that I know that that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of Amorite. We were on the other side of Jordan. And she goes on there. And then verse 11, it says, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any courage among any man because of you. For the Lord, your God is God in heaven above and in earth below. So she's talking to these men and she says, look, we have heard about how God dried up the Red Sea, about how God took care of the Amorites and our hearts did melt. We wanted to know, like looking at a romantic movie and you're looking at a romantic movie. You're like, Oh, that is so romantic. Oh, that's so awesome. Or you hear about somebody and they have somebody does something good for them. It's like, Oh, I'm so happy for you. They did that for you. She's saying that when we heard about the power of your God, when we heard about how your God took care of the Red Sea, we heard about how your God took care of the Amorites, our hearts melted. Can you imagine our hearts melted by hearing about your God? Okay, let's keep reading. Um, and then she says, and he is the God of heaven and he is the God of uh, God of all the earth beneath. And remember at this time, there's a lot of idolatry going on. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness, Moses went up on the hill on the mountain to talk to God. And he came back and they had made golden calves. They had melted down all the gold and made idols. And so idol worship is, is huge at this time. People are drawn in all different directions, looking for this perfect love, because again, they're loving from a position of fear. They're looking for this perfect love. And she said, when we heard about your God, we knew that he was God. Look at verse 12. Now, therefore, I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brother and my sister and all that that and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. 
And so she says, now I know your God has a power of doing the power to do this. Since I have shown you, since I have shown you kindness, since I, since I've sown this into your life, I want you to promise me that you'll pray to your God and have him save, not just me, but have him save my mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters, and not just us, but, but to also protect all that we have. So now God is showing us that even in the midst of us making bad decisions about our lives, even in the midst of us living in sin, even in the midst of us continuing to make bad mistakes, he will still send a messenger. He'll still send an angel. He will still send someone to show us his love and to give us an opportunity to connect with him. Now she could have operated in fear and said, no, I'm not going to ask, but she probably said, what do I have to lose? What would possibly go wrong? I could just be here doing what I'm already doing, or I can open up my heart and receive this love that God has given me. And so if the story continues on that they go and they continue to spy and do what they need to do. And when they come back and when there is a battle in the land, they tell the people that they're fighting with that when you see the house that has the red cord hanging out of it, don't enter that house because that's an ally for us. That's someone who God has instructed us to protect because God, God's love always casts out fear and he extends his love to us first before we're able to love him back. Now let's look at what Rahab did. First, she disrupted she disrupted her evening for the night. Time that she could have been entertaining her usual guests and making money, she disrupted her evening for the night. And sometimes when you are walking in the love of God, when you're making a decision to receive love from God, you might have to disrupt your life. You might have to stop something that you've been doing. You might have to start something that you've been doing. You might need to turn off the television. You might need to cut off a friendship. You might need to disrupt your life. She disrupted her life because she knew that it was the opportunity for her to connect with Almighty God, the God of heaven and the God of earth, the God who melted her heart, the God that she had heard great things about. That was what she needed to do. The second thing she did was she acknowledged who God was. She didn't call him the universe. She didn't call him the moon. She didn't call him the stars. She didn't call him the whatever. She said he is the God of heaven and he is the God of earth. So she disrupted her life and she acknowledged who God was. This is her learning how to walk in love with God. Verse three, she decided she wanted what she heard about for herself and for her family. So it's for herself and her neighbor. She heard about what this God to, could do. She heard about healing. She heard about promotion. She heard about good marriage. She heard about good parenting. She heard about all of those things. And she decided, I want that for me. And not only for me, I want it for my family as well. And then she made a decision to connect. She made a decision to ask. She made a decision to go for it. She made a decision to do all those things. And so, well, I don't know how to love God. Follow Rahab's example. Follow the example of the harlot. Follow the example of the prostitute. Put a disruption in what you're doing. Acknowledge that God is God. Make a requirement or ask for what he's what he can offer and then make a decision to connect with those and be willing to bring your family along. And there are many ways that you can show love to your neighbor. There are many ways that you can do it, but the best way that you can show love to yourself and show love to your neighbor is by going after and pursuing 
everything that God has for you. Think about the danger that that could have been for Rahab if the king had found out that she was harboring uh spies in her house it was treasonous she could have been put to death her whole family could have been put to death everything that she knew just could have been totally wiped off the face of the earth but she was willing to disrupt her life for a connection with God she was willing to let go of all the things that she had known all the things that had been feeding literally feeding her family all the the all her behaviors that she had trained herself with she was willing to disrupt all of that to go after God and so if you really want to love yourself and you really want to love your neighbor, the best thing that you can do is make a decision that no matter what you might be in, I'm going to be willing to disrupt my regular lifestyle, my regular way of doing things to pursue everything that God has for me. If you hear somebody preaching about the promises of God, be bold enough to say, I'm going after that. If you hear somebody preaching or talking about healing and you hear somebody's testimony about how they got healed or how their mom got healed or whoever, be willing to disrupt your life and say, I'm going after that. If you hear about good credit scores, I'm going after that. If you hear about great jobs, Jobs. I'm going after that. You hear about great marriages and great family. I'm going after that. If you hear about good emotional health and good mental health, I'm going after that. I'm going to find somebody who knows this God of heaven, who knows this God of earth, and I'm going to ask them to mentor me in this thing because I'm not afraid of being transparent. I'm not afraid of being vulnerable because there is absolutely no fear and love. And so because I'm not fearful, I'm not afraid to put myself out there. If God told you to write a book, there's no fear and love. I'm going to pursue everything that God has for me because it's going to bless my family and bless my community and bless my church. And I'm not fearful of being judged. I'm not fearful of being rejected. I'm not fearful of any of that. I'm going after it. So if God told you to write a book, receive his love and write the book. God told you to start a business, receive his love and start the business. If God told you to start a, a podcast, receive his love and go after it. All of the fears that you have about life is because you haven't received God's love in that area. But once you receive God's love in that area, not because you loved him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, but simply because he loved you first, you can receive his love and it'll cast out fear. And then you go for everything that God has. Go after everything that God has for you. That is the best way for you to love your neighbor and the best way for you to love yourself. And then it's going to be what for your good and for God's glory, for your good and for God's glory. When you're living a fearless life and a life full of the love of God, you'll see your ministry go to the next level. You'll see your marriage go to the next level. You'll see your job go to the next level, your family life, everything, your, your mental health, your emotional health, everything. Because listen, if you need help with your emotional health, go after what God has for you. Go talk to the counselor. Go talk to the therapist. Go talk to your primary care physician because you're going after everything that God has made available to you. And you don't have to worry about being judged or worried about any anything else because God loved you and his love is going to protect you. His love is going to provide for you. His love is going to plan for you. His love is going to make preparation for you. So there is no fear in love. So I want you to love your neighbor as yourself, not because somebody commanded you to do it, but because God loved you first and you have received his love. And now you're willing to be like Rahab and just go for it. Just go after everything that God has for you. And the way that that begins is by you receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so if you have never done that, I want you to receive Jesus today by simply making a decision to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he's Lord. 
You don't have to do anything other than believe right now. And then once you believe, you can connect with the word church like Flow Church, and we will help you follow Christ, love others, and work on yourself. There are no perfect people at this church. We don't even know how to minister to perfect people. We have no idea what to do with perfect people. So if you're looking for a church full of perfect people, this place isn't for you. This place is for a bunch of imperfect people serving a perfect God who are all just aggressively going after all God has for them. We're all striving to get better in every area of life, spiritually, intellectually, physically, socially, financially. We're all striving to follow Christ. We're all striving to love others and we're all striving to work on ourselves. If we sound like your kind of people, come and join this community and we'll be so happy through our study groups, through our services, through our men's ministry, women's ministry, leadership ministry, children's ministry, marriage ministry, all the outreaches we do, we'll use all of those tools and all of those things to help you become the best you that you can be. And we don't want you to do that by yourself. We want you to invite 10, 12, 20 of your friends to come and do that process with you because you want to share what God has extended to you. And then we want to encourage you to give on tonight. Be a giver. I'm not going to pump you up about giving. Giving is a decision. Be a giver. And they're putting up on the screen all the ways that you can give. And so I pray that the word blessed you on tonight. I am so excited. I just want you to be free to love free to receive God's love, not because you did anything, but just because he loved you first. And I want you to be willing to go through the same steps that Rahab did. She saved her whole family, her whole family. She went from being the harlot to being the evangelist and got her whole family saved because she made a decision to use the connection that God gave her. I want you to do that. And now before we end, I want to ask you, did you get an email from us yesterday? Did you hear that we're launching the Brilliant Women Book Club. I am so excited. If you know me for any period of time, you know one of the first thing I, things I'll ask you when I talk to you is, what are you reading? I always want to know what you're reading because I know that women who are empowered with wisdom have a optionless life. You're never out of options when you're full of when you're full of wisdom. You always have an option when you have intellect. You always have an option when you have wisdom, and so. I believe that women should be reading as much as they possibly can because I want to load you up with wisdom so that you can have as many options as possible. And so we're launching our book club on Monday, March 1st, and we're reading Believe Bigger by Marshawn's Evans Daniels. And we want you to get that book. If you did not get an email from us, go ahead and Put in the chat, I need to get an email and we'll put a connection card up for you so that you can give us your email information and we'll send you an email tonight. But we want to just have as many women as possible in this book club. What's going to happen is once we start reading the book, every week we're going to send out via text message prompts for either discussions or prompts for your personal journey, uh, journaling about the book. And then occasionally we're going to have book discussions that are going to be for members only. It's going to be by invitation only for members only. Now, listen, anybody can join. It's not exclusive in the sense that, you know, you can't join. Anybody can join the book club, but you have to at least 
put forth the effort of saying, I want to be a part of the club if you want to be a part of the discussions, okay? So you have to be willing to extend yourself and open yourself up. So please join the book club. And again, if you didn't get an email or text from us, we'll be so happy to send you one. I'm so excited to hear the conversations. I'm so excited because iron sharpens iron to see how we're going to all grow together. And we're going to be doing these books together. We're going to also be doing a couple of times. We're going to be doing devotionals that I have been writing. And I'm so excited to release those to you. So sometimes we'll be reading books. Sometimes we'll be doing devotionals, but it's all for us getting better to get more wisdom. And we're going to also use it as an evangelism tool to bring more women into the kingdom. So if you have not signed up to be a part of the book club, please do it because the first text messages will start going out on Monday. You do not want to miss it. It's not going to go out to the whole church. It's not going to go out to our, our whole mailing list or our whole community. It's going to go out to the women who have specifically said, I want to be a part of the book club. And so you need to be willing to do that on today. We love you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, no stress-free day, no stressful days. Live stress-free days, no stressful days, and receive God's love simply because he loved you first. Have a great night. I love you. See you soon.